Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Bible Study Live. Uh, remember to like, comment, and share. And uh, for those of you who are watching the replay, to like and subscribe. Uh, we're going to take some time and bow our heads and pray, and then we'll get right into the Word of God. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, and appreciate you, God. We thank you for another opportunity to share your word with your people, God. Thank you for how much you are encouraging us and growing us and stretching us to be the people of your delight. Give us wisdom, give us clarity, give us revelation of thought and speech, as well as uh, receiving, and we thank you for it. Now, God, we ask that you touch all of our bodies that uh, in this uh, deliverance temple that are struggling. Bless our minds, bless our hearts, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have been uh, dealing mainly with this series, Healthy Church. And so uh, we are in our sixth installment of it. So there's been six uh, messages up until this point. Uh, thinking about ending it at six, taking a break and picking it back up later. But we may continue. I'm just trying to see uh, what the Lord says. And so on Sunday, we transition into... Um, healthy recovery, healthy recovery. So what does it mean to uh, recover and recover in a manner that is actually healthy? So when we think about um, health and injuries and things of that nature, of course, we're, we're talking about spiritual health. But when we think about natural health, and it especially reminds me of athletes, that there comes a time where sometimes an athlete is injured. And in order for them to return to the level that they were or even greater, they have to go through a recovery process. And in many cases, that recovery process is hard. I've heard many athletes say it's worse than the actual injury, the pain of trying to relearn, rebuild something that's broken, torn, ripped. And if it's not done properly, many times it could lead to worse problems. Um, uh, Grant Hill uh, as a basketball player who was a very good in college, came out to the NBA, was very good, exceptionally well. And then he had a injury that was uh, bad, but he talks about how they rushed back too quick. And then he had another injury that changed his career and the trajectory of his career forever because the recovery process wasn't done in the best manner. So as we are growing and learning to recover our spiritual health We've got to make sure we're doing it in the right way. We have to, and we've been consistently saying this in, in this series, we have to be very honest with what it is that we need and then how we go about trying to recover, trying to grow. Whatever word you want to use, uh, it's important for us to know that doing it properly is very important. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you the, the definition of recover. It's two things. Number one... When it, uh, re when it uh, relates to health, it's to return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. So, of course, that will cover spiritual health as well. Two, to find or regain possession of. So if you've lost something and you need to regain something, that's a recover. Or if you uh, regain some health and need to regain some level of health, that's a recover. So it means both. But in our study, we're actually talking about both at the same time because sometimes the injuries that we have, the spiritual injuries, injuries that we are carrying are actually things that the devil did to us. And so we are recovering from it, but we're also recovering the things that the devil stole because sometimes you'll lose your peace and your joy 
because of this attack or you lose um, you lose your way. Sometimes you lose your faith and then you're trying to bounce back. You're trying to recover. You're trying to regroup. And so it becomes a spiritual journey. It becomes a fight. It becomes a lot of different things. And it's okay because knowing that you are in the, the mindset of recovery helps you and it grows you. All right. So what I wanted to do is look at uh, these two words. You know, the, the Bible that we have, the English Bible, is mainly made up of Old Testament Hebrew and New Testament Greek. So the Hebrew word where we get recover is haya. And the Greek word for therapeuo is where we get health. So it's really healthy recovery is in those uh, words, haya and therapeuo. So let's start off with a scripture. Here's the scripture. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So for uh, several uh, sermons and lessons in the last year, year and a half, we have come to this uh, scripture because we've been talking about David at Ziklag and how he went through uh, having his uh, wives captured while they were on the run. That was before he became into the kingdom. And when we go through the story, when you get to the end of the, the closer to the end of the story, he's asking God, what should he do? His people were thinking about stoning him. He had to encourage himself. And he just asked God, shall I pursue? And that scripture was told to him that you shall pursue, you shall overtake them and without fail recover all. So we're not necessarily going to that story, but knowing the principle that there is a principle in scripture of recovery, recovery from what the devil has done to you and knowing that God is on your side to help you recover. And so number one, you have to realize that you've lost something. You have to grieve the loss of what you've lost. And then you have to ask God, can I go after it? Will you help me get it back? And there's because there's some things you lose that you don't need back. But there's other things you lose that you need to recover. So understanding that will help you. All right. So as we uh, as we transition on, we want to look at this four things to recover in our spiritual health journey. So let's break it down. There's there's several things that we could be talking about, but let's just break it down into four things, something bite sized that we can teach on that, uh, you know, impact us with. So four things. So let's start off with this one here. Number one, recover your identity, recover your identity. So many of the attacks that we go through they affect our identity, who we are. When you look at natural sickness, sometimes people don't know who they are in a new uh, level, new mode. For example, you take a person who, who has struggled with diabetes and maybe have to have an amputation. All their life they function one way. Now they're 55, 60, and they're losing a limb. That is a big adjustment. And so if their identity is tied to the limb that they lost, then they don't know how to function. Uh, some people, like, they're ashamed of having a handicap sticker. But this is their new normal. This is their new life. 
And so you have to recover your identity. Who are you apart from the injury? Who are you apart from the attack? And for Deliverance Temple, we had been attacked in a lot of ways, but we can't lose our identity even in the attack. So one of the things that happens in spiritual warfare and spiritual attacks of the enemy is it makes us feel as if the only reason why we're being attacked is because there's something wrong with us. But sometimes the attack comes because there's something right with you. But if you allow the pressure of the attack to uh, alter your identity, you miss the whole point. The fact that you actually qualified for the attack versus it being something the other way around. And one of the things that the devil has is he has attacks, but it's not his attacks that really do the job or finishes us off. It's the suggestions because what he does, he will attack us and then he will suggest. So if he attacks the marriage, then he will suggest you're not a good husband. You're not a good wife. You're not a good leader. You're not a good this. You're not a good that. Then you start thinking about it. And then the next thing you know, you begin to lose your identity. And what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with losing the identity. You just have to recover it because sometimes the attack will force you to do that. But once you recover it, you recover it better than before. All right. So let's go to the scripture here. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So I went here first because of this is the very first uh, attack that we see that Satan does on Jesus now that Jesus is in his ministry. Now, he attacked Jesus by trying to kill all of the babies early on. But now that Jesus is actually in his ministry, this is the first thing. And so the law of first mention lets us know that when something happens the first time, it gives you a clue on all the rest of the time. So the clue that we have, and we'll go to it again. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God. So the attack is this, if you are. So the first thing he did was try to attack Jesus' identity. If you're the son of God. So if you're this, if you're that, okay. If you're a pastor, why are you going through this? If you're a Christian, why are you going through this? If you pray the way you say you pray, why are you facing this? If, 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 if it becomes an attack on your identity. And if you think about it and think on it too long, you start agreeing. Yeah. Why am I going through this? This is don't, don't seem right. God must not love me. Pastor keep talking about how much God loves me, but I don't see it. Pastor say God is good all the time and all the time. God is good, but he's not being good to me right now. Forget this. It becomes an attack. And sometimes you lose your identity. So you, you have to learn how to recover that. So let's give us three lessons about identity. And this will help us understand how Satan operates with this attack. Because the scripture also says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. So knowing how he functions, how he operates will give us some uh, some balance as we're going through the attack. So we realize, OK, I, I, I know I know what's going on and I know where you're coming from. Now, it doesn't make the battle less intense, but at least knowing knowing the purpose is going to help you with the fight. So we're going to start off with this. Satan will always attack who you are. So this is his number one goal is attack who you are. And what we mean by that, especially your spiritual relationship. He's always trying to attack that. So you're not as saved as you think you are. You're not this. You're not that. That's always the attack because he's trying 
to get you to agree. And if you agree, then he can get you to line up with what he needs done. The thing about Satan is that he cannot control you unless he has demons to possess you. So as long as you're not demon possessed, he can't control you. The only thing he can do is suggest to you to get you to help him do what needs to be done. So he can send depression, but he can't really depress you until you link up with the depression. Now, if he was able to possess you with a spirit of depression, then that's another thing. But in most cases, most Christians are not possessed of the devil. They're just oppressed by the devil. He just keeps sending pressure, sending pressure. But many times he's not sure if it's working until you show him that it's working. So when you come to church and you praise God like you've always praised God, then it confuses the devil because he's been sending this, that, and the other, plan A, plan B, plan C, and you keep functioning the same. However, he knows when you've taken the suggestion, when you begin to change, you begin to alter who you are. You're not who you normally are. In other words, when we're under a pressure, many times we're not who we always are. I'm a little more short-tempered. I fly off the handle a little more. Then the devil knows, okay, I think I'm getting to them because their identity is shifting. They're changing. You used to function this way. Now you function that way. You used to be happy to go to church. Now you just drag in. Oh, it's working. But he doesn't know it's working until your identity shifts. So when you recover your identity and make up in your mind, okay, I'm going through this, but I'm never going to let them see me sweat, so to speak. I'm about to come in and I'm, I'm about to praise God. I had a bad Saturday night, but I'm still praising God on Sunday morning. I'm still lifting my hands. I'm still hugging people, smiling at people. In other words, you're saying, I'm not going to lose my identity. I'm not going to lose who I am in the process. So Satan would always attack who you are. But here's the reason why. B, because if he can get you to question who you are, he can attack whose you are. So here's the real goal. He, he's not really after you. He's after who has you, which is God. You belong to God. God purchased all of us, but those of us who have accepted him, we belong to God. We are children of God. So if he, he can't attack God, he already lost that battle. So he has to attack us, but he doesn't want us. He wants us to get away from God. So he's only attacking you to get you separated from God. Now, the scripture says nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It says, shall nakedness, peril, famine, sword. That's the King James Version. Nothing can separate me in Romans 8. So here's the problem that Satan has is that everything he does actually cannot separate you from God. So he has to trick you to separate yourself. We call that backsliding, walking away. So as long as you refuse to walk away, he can't win. But in order for him to win, he has to keep up the attack. So he attacks, but he's not attacking you just to attack you. He's attacking you to separate you from God. But once you realize that and you keep recovering your identity and saying, yes, you may have tricked me to fall, but I'm running back to God. Yes, I may be struggling, but I'm running back to the church. Yes, I'm hurting, but I'm actually going to read the scripture more. Yes, I'm, I'm struggling, but I'm actually going to pray more. Yes, I'm broke, but I'm going to give more. You know how much that frustrates the devil because what he's trying to do is get you to separate from God and you actually cling closer to him. David made it this statement in the Psalms. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into and are safe. 
So when we get attacked from the enemy, instead of running away from God, if we start running to God, then really what it really does, it hurts the devil because it messes up his whole plan, which is to get you separated from God. So let's recap. A, Satan will always attack who you are. B, if he can get you to question who you are, he can attack whose you are. C, we must learn how to separate our do from our who. This is really important and can really help us win the battle. And it's very difficult, but it's actually the beauty of grace. So who we are is we are children of God. We're purchased by God's blood. We are royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're peculiar people. We're kings and queens. This is who we are um, futuristically, eternally, it's not always who we are experientially. In other words, sometimes the things I go through are not so kingly. And sometimes the responses that I have are not so kingly. So when I get attacked and then I fly off the handle and I'm cussing and fussing, what I have to realize is that's not who I really am. It is what I did, but it's not who I am. Who I am is the spirit man on the inside of me. I still live in this flesh. And so when the devil attacks us and then we respond wrongly, what he likes to do is point his finger and say, ha, ha, ha. See, you don't have what you said you had. See, you ain't no pastor because here you are flying off the handle. But what God says to us is that it's deeper than that. I have you in the spirit realm and you live in this fleshly body. I never came to save your flesh. I came to save your spirit. So when you struggle in your flesh, I'm not paying attention to that because I rescued your spirit. It's not that you will stay in a state of struggle, but what you learn how to do is separate what I did from who I am. I am saved. Now, the action that I took may not have been the most saved action. It may not be an action that the Holy Spirit agreed with. But he doesn't kick me out of the family because of my action. So if God can separate my who from my do, I need to separate my who from my do and say, okay, I did it, but that's not who I am. So I'm going to get back to who I am. A lot of people will use this statement that says, I'm going to, I got to get back to me. I got to get back to who I am. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not who I, I want to be. I'm not the best version of me. Like I, I've been struggling. So they realize that what I'm doing is not really who I am. So I got to make some adjustments because I'm better than this. I'm better than what I'm showing. But right now I'm under a lot of stress. I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm under a lot of pain. And when you're like that, sometimes you struggle. Reminds me of the commercial uh, Snickers. You're not really you when you're hungry. Sometimes you make some bad decisions, bad choices. But as long as you don't live in that, you can actually bounce back. So the scripture calls Satan the accuser of the brethren who accuses them night and day. So he's always trying to bring up something to accuse you. So all you have to do is shut that off and say, okay, yes, what you're saying is true. But the problem is his mercies are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. So it is true, Andre is a fool, but the problem is that was true yesterday. You caught me today, and there's new mercy for today, and so I repented for yesterday. And so while you're trying to point at 
yes, yesterday's Andre. You're actually talking about an old Andre. I'm living in a new Andre, which is frustrates the devil because the devil like, well, shoot, that was just 24 hours ago. But God is willing to regenerate me, renew me, wash me, clean me. So that's another reason why he wants to separate us from God, because then we're separated from his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy. And so if he can get you to walk away from God, then you don't get the forgiveness. You don't get the repentance. But as long as you stay connected to God, which is the first part of our vision statement, we connect with our creator continually. So as long as I'm connected to God with God and the Holy Spirit, he's always pointing out the things that I need to shore up, grow in. And so when uh, the Holy Spirit points those things out, the only thing I can say is, God, sorry, help me. And so what that does is God helps me. He washes me. He cleanses me. And so the devil always loses. So if we don't learn how to separate our who from our do, then we begin to listen to the devil. We get caught up. And then what happens? We lose our identity. So let's take us to some scripture for this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Some versions say, behold, all things are becoming new. This is one of uh, uh, one of the beautiful scriptures in uh, the Bible, even in what we call Christendom. The problem with this scripture is most people think it's only just a salvation only scripture. In other words, the day you become saved, that's the only time it applies. But that's not true. It applies for the entire walk of your salvation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So if you blow it yesterday and you blew it the day before, and you make up in your mind and make a decision that I, I, I got to get back to who I am. I got to align back with God and I'm going to repent and I'm going to get back in relationship with God, reconnect with God. That moment you become a new creature. God begins to say the old things are passed away. Now, you may have to deal with some consequences. We're not saying that you will, consequences won't follow you. But you can make a decision to say from this point forward, I'm going to start going in this direction and God will help you. Once scripture says draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. And so we always have a built in cheat code, which is repentance that we adjust. We repent, we return to the Lord and God will act like we've never made the mistakes that we did. Like I said, he doesn't always take away the consequences because sometimes we need to learn the lesson. But justification is just as if I never sinned. So many times what happens is, well, God will use you at the state that you should be in, not the state that you came from. For example, you have a, a preacher who was married and uh, let's say female preacher or male preacher. They cheat on, on their wife and it causes the marriage to crumble. They repent. And then the next thing you know, the marriage begins to work out. It begins to shift. It begins to change. They don't deserve that. They made a mistake. They deserved the marriage to crumble, but because they repented, they changed their heart. They refocused the wife or the husband accepted them back. They worked on the marriage. Sometimes that marriage is better off. And then that marriage turns around and helps other marriages. And the devil's looking back saying, I threw this in to destroy the marriage, but it actually in the long run made the marriage better. God cleansed both of them, fixed the marriage. Now they're helping other people. Now I'm frustrated because what should have destroyed them actually made them better. What doesn't kill you sometimes makes you stronger. 
And so if we learn to go through these processes, we actually realize we are new creatures. We're always becoming new. And then we learn that we don't always have to have the worst fall to keep growing. Sometimes you learn uh, your lesson. You learn how to see things far off before they come and before they attack you, before they hit you. You grow, and then you're able to even tell other people, hey, watch out for these pitfalls. That's what we see in the Scripture. Solomon begins to write about certain things. Hey, you shouldn't do this. A wise man doesn't do this. A fool does this. You teach the lesson to the next person. So that shows us once when we recover our identity property, properly, we actually help everybody that is around us. All right, let's move forward. All right, recover your image. So we're going from identity to now image. They seem the same, but I, I, I want to point out just a little bit of a difference between the two. All right, so let's look at this scripture. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. This is Genesis 126. And so this is the beginning command to man, man is that they should have dominion. But the reason why they should have dominion is because they were created in the image of God and his likeness. So this includes all of creation. This includes the righteous as well as the wicked. Wicked includes the saint as well as the sinner. The overall thing when God created the earth was to create them in the image of God, which explains to us why Satan automatically, when he fell to the earth, began to attack everything in the earth because it looked like God, the one he thought he could overthrow. So he had to get in and he caused man to fall. And when man fell, many times it made them forget the image that they were created in. So when we have recovered our identity, it reminds us of our image. It reminds us of who we are supposed to be reflecting. So sometimes we change our behavior and our pattern because it doesn't reflect the image that it should. Because if I belong to God, I should have some godly actions. People shouldn't look at me and be shocked that I'm a Christian. Oh, you're a Christian? I had no idea. That shouldn't be the case. I should be reflecting the image. But when I lose my identity, I also lose my image. So let's see, how do we do that? Here's a verse that says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So remember, we just said that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So this says that we put on the new self. Let's do it side by side. So in order to be a new creature, we have to be in Christ. So that means in order to put on the new self, we have to consistently be in Christ. So now in order to grow, we have to realize what is separating me from Christ? What is causing me to be pulled away from Christ? Because if I'm being pulled away from Christ, I'm being pulled away from the newness that is in Christ. And so I need to actually put on. In other, in other words, instead of being pulled away from Christ, I need to start putting on Christ. I need to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge at the image of the creator. So in other words, it begins to remind me of the image of the creator instead of the satanic forces. All right. Look, look at this verse. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So 
the beauty of it all is the fact that there is a transformation. There's something that's happening. And so I like the, uh, I, the image that it, it gives us. It gives us the image of a mirror. When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, it shouldn't be the same as when you walk out the house because you see in the mirror the issues that you have. You wake up, you may have sleep in your eye. You may have crust on your mouth, slobber. You don't go out like that. You start transforming. You start fixing what you saw in the mirror. And so the image of God for us is the mirror to show us this is who we are, but this is where we need to be. So now we start making those adjustments. We start combing our hair, brushing our teeth. We start looking in the mirror to see what we're reflecting. So when we go out the house, we are presentable. So the uh, scripture, and I didn't go there, but in James, it calls the word of God a mirror. It shows us what's wrong with us so that we can start recovering our image. All right. I have been under pressure. I've been under attack. I haven't been myself lately. So now I need to make adjustments. But how do I make those adjustments? I got to get in the mirror. I got to look. I got to see what the image of God is. I start going back to my word. This is what I need to be doing. This is how I need to function. If I'm under attack, I can look at other people who are under attack. Paul stayed under attack. David was under attack. When I go to the Psalms, I see how David functioned. I see how he talked. I see how he uh, spoke. And so I'm, I'm going into that. I'm getting into that. And now I'm getting my swag back, so to speak. I'm getting my focus back because I'm looking at that image. I'm recovering the right image. And now I'm moving. And so what happens is the reflection that is seen is seen by our enemy. So now when we come out, who do we look like? We look like God. Who does that irritate? It irritates Satan because that's the one he couldn't overthrow. So he couldn't overthrow the big God. But now that God is in us, he can't overthrow us. And so he's losing left and right. And we are winning when we are reflecting that image. So we are recover our image. Let's go further. So now let's look at recovering our inspiration. So when you've lost your identity and you've lost your image, you lose your inspiration. Sometimes you lose the will to live. You lose the will to push on. Now, I don't want to make it sound so easy and simple. You can go through so much that you really do lose your inspiration. But that's why we talked about the other things first. If you first start off with recovering your identity and then next your image, then you have a better shot at being re-inspired again. So, we want to recover our inspiration. Let's look at a, a scripture for that. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And so in this particular uh, passage, which is Second Timothy, this is the second time he's writing to Timothy. But then we also have First Timothy. So in First Timothy, he told him, don't neglect the gift that's in you, Timothy, because it was in you through the laying on of hands. It was in you. It was in your mom. It was in your grandmother. It's now in you. So don't neglect it. But by the time you get to Second Timothy, Paul actually has an execution date. His head is going to be on a chopping block within a matter of I don't know how long it is. I forget. I don't know if it's a matter of years, months or weeks. So he's writing a message to him and trying to encourage him. So basically what happened was Paul set up a church in Ephesus 
and he uh, trained Timothy to be the leader in that church. So Timothy is a pastor in the church of Ephesus, and Paul is encouraging him. And so he tells him, stir up the gift, which is what the King James says. This version here, let's look at it again. This is the English Standard Version. It says fan into flame. In other words, the point is this, is you've got something in you, and we can't let it die. We can't let it go dormant. We got to stir it up. We got to fan it up. We've got to get it smoking hot again. It's there, and we got to get it stirred up. And so think of it from this standpoint. I, your mentor, I'm getting ready to die. You're going to have to live without me. You're going to have to pastor this church without me. So you're going to have to reach from within to stir yourself up to keep going. I'm not going to be here to write you these letters. You're going to have to figure it out. And sometimes in our Christian walk, we have to realize that sometimes we got to figure it out. And in order to figure out, sometimes we got to go on the inside of us. All this word that we've heard, all these scriptures that we've heard, we got to pull in from the inside and we got to stir ourselves up and we have to recover our inspiration. Sometimes you have to take this approach. It's not all the way 100% true, but it's an approach that will help you uh, learn how to not fold. It's a phrase that says no one's coming to save you which is not totally true because we have uh, Christ our Savior and we have other believers around us that will help us. But sometimes you have to take the mentality that if I don't do it, it won't get done. I'm not waiting for the pastor to preach me happy. I'm not waiting for somebody at church to smile at me. And I'm not going to lose my marbles because I went to church and didn't nobody speak to me. Didn't nobody hug me. Don't nobody love me. I don't have time for all that self-pity and pity party. I'm going to reach inside myself and I'm going to pull out something to help me uh, prosper and succeed because I've been in this thing so long. I've been gathering all this information. I've been gathering all this scripture. I got all these prayers. At the end of the day, I don't need nobody to help me. Now, understand what I'm saying. That many times we do need help, but sometimes you have to take the approach that if it's just me and God, I can make it. I have the tools. I have the wisdom. I have everything that I need on the inside. And Paul was saying, it's there. Stir it up. Fan it into flames. Get it going because you're, you're going to need that to move forward. Sometimes what we forget is that we are the disciple makers. And so since we are the disciple makers, people are looking to us. And so we have to learn how to sometimes make it on our own without a bunch of pats on the back. Well, don't, the pastor don't ever call me and tell me how good I'm doing. Sometimes it's because you're a disciple. You, you, you don't need that. You're the ones who's supposed to be patting the back, somebody else's back. There are weaker Christians. There are, there are those who are, are weak in their faith. You're supposed to be encouraging them. So you have to learn how to sometimes get it yourself. You got to learn how to sometimes figure it out. You can't always call the pastor and have him explain to you everything that the sermon was about. You got to learn how to get into church, lock in, focus, get what you need to get and take it into your week. So get learn how to do some things on your own. That's basically what Paul was encouraging Timothy. I'm not going to be here to hold your hand, stir up what you have. So recover your inspiration, fan into flame, stir it up. Reminds me of something that uh, happened that always makes me think of this scripture, especially when I think of it from the King James Version that says stir up the gift. Uh, reminds me of Kool-Aid and how when you make Kool-Aid that you, when you put sugar in it and all the sugar goes to the bottom, in order for that sugar to be throughout the Kool-Aid to make it taste right, you got to stir that whole thing up. you got to vigorously stir it up so it tastes the way it's supposed to taste. 
So the question is, have you really stirred up? Is, is the, uh, the power of God, is it just resting at the bottom of your life like the sugar in the Kool-Aid? Or have you done what it takes to stir it up? And sometimes to stir requires some effort. It may hurt a little to stir, but it may hurt a little to fan into flames. But it's okay. Get yourself going because you've got more in you than what you think. So on Sunday, I made the, a statement that I've been learning to live within the sparks. And what that means for me, when I say living within the sparks, what that means for me is I don't have to have a full fire. I don't have to have a full flame. I just need a little spark to get me going because I understand the power of inspiration. Sometimes it's just a laugh, just a joke, just a scripture, just a song. Sometimes I'll find a song that hits me just right, play it on repeat, keep it on for several days just to keep myself stirred up. Sometimes you have to sing to yourself. You have to quote scriptures to yourself. You've got to learn what it takes to recover your inspiration, keep yourself going, keep yourself fired up. It's like going to the gas station when you run out of fuel. You know, you got to learn how to put more fuel in you and get fired up so you can do what needs to be done. And the weaker you are as a Christian, the more you need a whole bunch of people around you to always pick you up and keep you going. The stronger you are, you know how to move on the fly. I don't, I don't have to wait till Sunday morning to get my praise on. I can praise him on a Monday. I can praise him on a Tuesday. I can praise him on my job. I can praise him in my backyard. I can praise him washing dishes. I can praise him in the shower. I learn how to recover my inspiration. I know how to recover my inspiration because I understand the importance of what this scripture is saying. So before we move on, we're going to look at the first part of it. It says, for this reason, I remind you. So sometimes we forget. So we have to be reminded, hey, to keep this thing going. All right. Here's the fourth one. Recover your influence. And so this goes again with the idea of being a disciple maker. So one of the reasons why you want to recover your identity, your image, and your inspiration is because you have a sphere of influence. You have people who are watching you, who are looking to you. In other words, you actually are a leader. And when you allow Satan to rob you of who you are, then the people who are looking to you for strength, then what happens, it becomes a domino effect. If Ella falls, it makes me fall. And many times we don't know that there are people who are looking to us, depending on us. Now, they shouldn't necessarily be doing that, but sometimes they're weaker in their faith and they need uh, this until they can grow. So you don't want to lose your influence. So sometimes you inspire yourself for the sake of other people. It's hard for you, but you do what you have to do because you have people following you. As a pastor and as a leader, with the challenges that we've gone through, I could have went somewhere and hot and hid and, you know, run and hide, but I'm the leader. So if I'm hiding, sometimes it, it has a ramification for everybody. So I got to learn how to get up, face the music, face the fire and say, God, with your help, I'm going to lead these people. I'm going to come in here and I'm not going to preach no woe is me message every time, even though I may be struggling, even though I may be grieving, I'm giving the people the best that I have. I'm preaching the best I know have. I'm know how I'm trying to inspire the people. So how can I inspire people if I haven't recovered my inspiration? But here's the, here's the thing that helps you with your inspiration is knowing you have influence, knowing my daughters, my sons, my, my spouse, the people on my job, they're, they're, they're looking to me. And also there are some people looking to you to fall, looking to you to fail. They've already 
pronounced curses over you. They're expecting you to fall. So with your influence, I can't fall because it'll make you believe what you said is true. It'll make you have the last laugh. So no, I'm not going to fall. I'm actually going to go further. I'm actually going to go higher. I may be down right now, but I'm rising to the top because I understand the influence I have. And when I rise to the top, it actually may make you switch. You may go from being a hater to being a congratulator because you thought you were going to tear me down and then you figured out the God that I serve and it switches. In the story of the three Hebrew boys with uh, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have Nebuchadnezzar who wanted them to worship this thing and they're like, no, we're not going to do it. We know the story. Nebuchadnezzar is like, okay, throw them in the fire. But who got inspired the most out of it was actually Nebuchadnezzar because he said, I threw three in there. But I see four and the fourth one looks like the son of man. And we shout about that part. But later on, what Nebuchadnezzar says is that we're going to worship their God because their God proves that they can deliver. So he went from being a hater to end up being someone who said, no, we're leaving Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego alone. We're actually going to champion their God. So there are some people who are laughing at you hating on you, but you're getting ready to change their whole faith because what you go through and when you arise at the top, they're going to look at you and say, wow, I need to serve who you're serving. But when you lose your influence and uh, people are able to laugh at you and say, yeah, I knew Steve-O wasn't, wasn't about nothing. I knew he didn't have anything. Then, then that becomes a bad witness. And so instead of doing that, we want to recover that influence. We want to press further, press uh, farther, go higher. And it's not always easy, but here's the thing that I come to understand. I'm going to get attacked either way. If I sit around and just say, well, I'm just going to do nothing. I'm still going to be saved, but I'm not going to really go real, real hard. Yes, the devil is going to leave me alone for a moment, but he's so evil. He's going to attack me anyway, just because, well, I don't want him to get stirred up again. So I'm just going to attack him anyway. So if I sit on the sidelines, I'm going to get attacked. So if I'm going to get attacked either way, coach put me in the game. I want to go. I want to get in the game and make an impact. So if, if you're going to take me down, you're going to take me down swinging, fighting, preaching. If, if, I, if I'm going to fall, I'm falling, preaching. I'm going all out. I'm giving everything. And some people ask me, Pastor, why do you do so much? Why do you go? so? Because I'm giving it my all. If, if I'm going out, I'm going out giving it my all. But what I've learned is I've, as I've given it my all, I actually keep going up a notch. I actually keep getting better. I, I'm actually becoming a better preacher, a better leader, better teacher, better father, better husband, better pastor. I'm looking at stuff that I've been through that should have took me out, and I'm looking back on it and saying I actually got stronger in it. So like Marvin Sat said, I'm stronger, I'm better, I'm wiser, never would have made it without you. And think about how frustrating that is to the enemy. So we recover our influence. We remind ourselves that there are people watching me. There are people who need me. So it's, it's not time for me to fall. It's not time for me to quit. I'm going farther. I'm going higher. I'm going faster. I'm digging deeper. I'm praising more. I'm worshiping more. I'm giving more. I'm growing more. I'm pushing more. All of those things. And it all comes back to those simple things. I'm recovering my identity. I'm recovering my image. I'm recovering my inspiration. And that inspiration is really key because once you get inspired again, it's really hard for the devil to stop you. And I'm recovering my influence.
And all of this is happening because of an attack. So I'm doing this because I lost my spiritual health in a certain area because of the attack. So the attack actually made me get better. So that's when we realize why sometimes God doesn't step up and stop the attack because the attack actually was going to advance us. Sometimes we get advanced through the attack. And it goes so far as to sometimes God actually pointing it out like he did with Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Hey, you trying to get folk? Why don't you try Andre? And I'm thinking, God, don't don't pick me. I don't want to be picked for that. But then when I go through it and I come out on the other side, I realize why God picked me to go through it. Because it put me in a whole nother league. It advanced me. It's like playing sports in elementary and the next thing you know you're in the professional leagues you're advanced god has advanced us he's advanced delivers temple we are not an elementary church we've been through stuff and the devil can't stand us because we're still standing but because we learned and in the process i realized that hey i'm glad we went through it because we're poised to be what the end time church needs we're right where we need to be so let's uh, close with this scripture here. Paul said it this way, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Uh, another version says, follow me as I follow Christ. So at the end of the day, what we're simply saying is, hey, I'm going after God. And so if you want to know what I'm doing, just follow me because I'm going after God. And if I keep going after God the way I'm going after God, at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose. I might be losing right now, but it's only momentary. I might be failing right now, but it's only temporary. Because if I keep following Christ, if I keep following God, I'm not going to mess up. I'm, I'm not going to end up in, uh, in the back. I'm going to be in the front. So I'm just going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. And many times we just need to simplify it. I'm just going to read the scriptures when I, more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to forgive who I need to forgive. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to love who I need to love. I'm going to make sure I'm trying to love God. I'm going to just do the things that are in front of me. I'm going to do the simple things. And sometimes it's the simple things, getting back to basics that actually advances us. But once, when, when you're under a lot of attack, it just, it, everything seems harder. It's harder to pray. It's harder to worship. It's harder to even come to church. It's harder, harder to even think about God or even listen to a sermon. I've been under so much attack that I turn a sermon on, and in the first five minutes, I'm just disinterested. I don't, I don't want to hear it, Ugh. because you're under that attack. Sometimes you just got to press through, and then you get to that place. When you get through that, then you realize, oh, that's why I was under attack, because he wanted me to not be able to listen to sermon. He wanted me not to be able to hear a gospel song. When you go through certain things, sometimes you don't want to hear nothing that got to do with God. You're, you're mad at the world. You're mad at God. You're mad at everything. And we don't want to stay there. So we press through it. That's a part of being spiritually sick. We press through it and we recover healthily. And as we have this healthy recovery, we get back on top and we're where we need to be. All right. Having said that, let's move right on uh, to our prayer. We're closing early today. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, God. First of all, we thank you for what has happened and transpired in our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
because you're showing us that we can grow through it all. And whether it's been natural uh, health attacks or spiritual health attacks or whatever kind of health uh, deficiencies that we've gone through, that you're teaching us how to recover and be healthy people so that we can create a healthy church. And we're serving Satan. Notice that you will not win. You cannot win. You're a defeated foe in our life. And we are rising to the top every time. And we're stepping on your head and crushing your head. And we're believing in Jesus even the more. And for that, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Uh, have a great week, wonderful week. Finish your week out strong. Give God praise all the way through it. And so we will see you again next time. Much love to you all. Logging off.